What's going on, y'all? This is Mike Brown, and I just wanted to welcome y'all to this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. While I got your attention, please be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Also, leave a comment, whether you like it, don't like it, whatever you feel about the show. Let people know it really helps, and it also helps me in making this show better. Um, I just got a dog, y'all. I would love some tips on training and just all that good stuff if you own a dog hit me up on the email call the phone line and let me know peace yo what up this is mike brown and this is the art of letting go today i have a special guest in the building um we're not filming it because i had lots of questions in my phone that came from listeners um this person gave me life and yeah, it's been just a long time. I I wanted to have you on the podcast before, and I think what made me hesitant was vulnerability. Um, but I feel like you might give your most vulnerable self today, so that's what I'm hoping for. But do you mind introducing yourself to the people? Hello, everybody. My name is Zenobia Edwards Brown. I am the mother of Michael Brown, Megan Brown, the wife of Michael Brown Sr., but most importantly, I'm me, and I'm just discovering me, and I love what I see. That's good. How are you feeling today? Today is a beautiful day. We're out at Venice Beach, and certain places, you can put your mind in a space where you're far, far away and just relaxing. Mm-hmm. But when you're literally in a place like Venice Beach, that's exactly what happens. That's good. Um, before we get started, anything off limits? Nothing. Okay. Cool. I didn't make you sign a non-disclosure like Beyonce, right? No, I we did we didn't <laughs> sign nothing. But um, so we're good. We'll start with some of the listener questions, and we'll just see where it takes us. So I'm going to go with the first question. Somebody asked, is your inner child as safe as the child your mother remembers? Um, so what do you, re- this is, I guess, for both of us, but what do you remember about me as a child? And, uh, yeah, what I guess, what did safety look like for you, like for me at that time? You know, when you when you first are responsible for another life, whether it's a puppy, whether it's a person, you take you take so much responsibility on. And when you take on that responsibility, you always say what you're not going to do. I said, I'm never going to be like my mom. You end up going right into that mode because that that's kind of what you feel safe. Knowing, knowing you're knowing, no, wait, knowing your known devil with without knowing your unknown angel. But... It, it's really a shame, and I know it doesn't bother you as much as it bothers me, and it's not bothering me anymore since I'm in therapy. But I, I treated you like my mom treated me. Um, I held you accountable, responsible, um, almost to bringing me joy. But I, I always tried to make you feel safe. I don't know if I accomplished that. Um... I think I think y'all made me feel safe to the best of your abilities. Um, when I think about safety, I think 
is something that I also had to find within for myself and create what because I think I think it probably evolves as I evolve. So for me, I think as I've grown, my safety has looked different. Um, when I think about my childhood, I think y'all definitely did keep me safe. Um, yeah, I definitely felt safe when I think about just like physical safety and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting question. I appreciate that question. It's very interesting. And I think safety changes as you change. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I think you, you mean when you say you evolve. Because now that I'm thinking of it, you, we always told you guys that this is your safe haven. Once you leave these doors, you know, you're still safe because you're protected by God. But most importantly... Uh, we always felt be prepared for the world because the world is not as kind and not as protective as your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said that you were gorgeous. Uh, so someone wanted to know, and actually I'll, I'll say names. So Juju said that you were gorgeous. Um, so I have a question from S and S says how have the roles of care wait the roles of care and how they shift oh so someone would like so S would like to know how have the roles of care shifted over time and space for you you know I always felt that I was taught to be responsible Mm -hmm. but I wasn't taught balance because I grew up in an era where your parents did the best they can do but maybe it wasn't the best for you and I was always taught to care about others to take care of others and in the midst of doing all that I forgot I had to take care of myself and back in the day I was a flight attendant and I used to always tell people don your mask over your face then help someone a child or someone you're you're with and we say that because if you don't take care of yourself it's pretty darn hard to take care of someone else so I'm in therapy again I'm saying that again because it's really shifting my life quicker than it's ever in my entire life and I realize that I I do what I do now more loving more caring and it's because I'm more caring and loving to myself you know, but I, I felt obligated before in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. I felt responsible for others in most circumstances. But now I feel I can say no. And gosh, that it's just a two-letter word, but it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Edgar asked, what are you looking forward to in life? And uh, what dreams do you have now that your kids are grown? You know, initially where when they left, I didn't understand um, child-parent separation anxiety, but I definitely experienced it quite a bit when, when you left because you were the first to leave. And I remember staying down in New Orleans almost a month your freshman year. I don't know if you remember that. Do you? Not really, no. I remember that. And I was waiting 
even though the universe, I know what you speak into it can happen. So I don't speak negativity into it anymore. But I was waiting for you to need me and I'll be right there for you. And and what made me leave is that one, you called your dad and said, when is mommy leaving? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And secondly, you said, you know, you still have one child left to go raise, which was Megan. So um, to bring it all the way up to presence, I always told your dad that we've got to have something connected more than our kids because they're going to grow and go if we do it right the first time. And we did because nor you or Megan is at home right now. But we are, I call it our second honeymoon. And we're really enjoying each other. We're truly enjoying each other. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you feel most valuable in your life right now? In my own life. I feel most valuable in my own life because as I am learning about myself, I'm putting them in categories just so I can sort it out. But after I've sort out what I need to get past, I'm letting it go. And I'm moving forward and upward. So I'm looking forward to a lot of dreams I've always had. And I always feel until you take your last breath, you always have that opportunity. Very, you know, I I don't believe my glass is half full. I believe it overflows. What would you do differently in parenting? This is a question from Karen, the therapist. What would you do differently in parenting? The first thing I would do is not try and teach so much lessons and prepare so much. I would definitely listen more. And I would ask trigger questions. What makes you happy? I wouldn't assume as much as I assume. I I assume material things make you happy. So we'll go out and buy the latest sneakers on the market. I I thought, you know, Megan just wanted her and I time. So I did that. Um, But I would listen to my kids and see what's going to help you become a better person. That's a good thing. Um, And it's funny you say that because I think I've told Megan before that I felt like you loved the way that you know how and not necessarily the way people need it. I agree. And it may not only be because that's what I knew, but that's how I was treated as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Mama loved me the, the very best that she can and taught me the very best that she could. But I always inside felt um, it wasn't what I really needed. Mm -hmm. I was a very sensitive child and still is a sensitive person. But I'm learning that I can only control myself and my feelings. So I'm going with the flow. You know, when things, you know, is not what I'm expecting, I'm not disappointing because I'm not setting expectations in others. I'm only setting them in myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Eddie Wayne asked, what was it like for you when I came out? And he asked me what your support meant to me, but I'll let you answer first. 
when you came out, my initial feelings, remember I said I, I never take care of myself. I feel I'm always responsible for someone else. What I really wanted to do in life is make sure that you guys were covered to be productive people in society, a society that is so cruel. But you'll not let someone define yourself or redefine yourself. You remember me saying that a lot? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. I was really, really, really disappointed in myself. And I was disappointed in myself because I thought I read you so well. I thought we had such an open relationship. But two things left me off the hook. I thought of myself growing up, and there were things I wish I would have told my mom at some time, and I didn't. And it was because she was the mother, I was the daughter. So that let me know that maybe I was there, but you wasn't ready to come to me. And the second and most important reason um, that I remember is you saying, Mommy, how can I come out to you when I wasn't sure about myself? Mm-hmm. And when you said that, it, it didn't make me feel better because I said, this cycle hasn't broken. You're taking care of other people just like I take care of other people. And I'm glad you came out because I wanted you to take care of yourself. And I don't even think it was a, for me, at least in my mind, it wasn't a taking care of other people. Like, it was more of an understanding for myself. Um, Like, I wasn't living my life for other people. It was, I never saw a gay person like myself a day in my life. So I I couldn't identify as what I thought gay was. But, yeah, I wasn't trying to, like, live to please other people. Um, But as far... I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to answer the second part of uh, the question. what your support meant to me. And um, I definitely appreciated it. Uh, initially, it did, like, like because I'm thinking back about what I truly felt. And I did feel like you kind of made it about yourself um, more did. than it was about me. And I guess that's why initially it wasn't, like, too significant. Um, and that's just being honest with you. Like it, it wasn't like a super, a super significant thing for me because, like initially, it was about you and not really about me. But um, I think over time, I really appreciated it because you know, like you had met my first partner and stuff like that, and you and know, still love him. That's great. And um, yeah, I I think like it definitely helped me in being more open myself so I do appreciate that and I was just going to add one more thing and I I guess this is about me again but what else you had told me and I don't know if you remember these conversations and that's why I felt you you always took care of others before yourself until you really understood you need to take care of you is because you also shared with me you said mommy I said, how could I have not known? How could I have not been supportive for you? And you told me, and I'll never forget these words. You said, do you remember what you prayed for? And I said, yeah, I used to pray for you, for you and Megan to be comfortable with yourselves and with others, that y'all will find a person that will love you and you can love them back. And, and you pointed out to me, I never said, oh, please find the perfect wife for Mike or the perfect husband for Megan. I said the person, and maybe God was giving me hints then. 
Yeah, I don't I don't remember I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and I remember it because I, I journal. Yeah. And and I've always journal and I, I have lots of journals for you, Megan and your your dad. And I remember writing that down and some of the ink is smeared because I was crying so hard. Mm-hmm. Um so this kind of makes me want to transition to a different and, and those were like most of the questions. Some people had some real estate questions uh, growing up in New Orleans, but I kind of wanted to transition because this is a mental health podcast. And um, if you're comfortable talking about it, but I would like to talk about borderline personality and I guess what it's like to be a parent with it. And what it's like to be a child raised by somebody that has it. One thing I would do, um, there's approximately 10 different um, mental health disorders. One of the most recent ones is BPD, Borderline Personality Disorder. It was discovered initially around um, about 89 1990 so that's that's not very long ago but as a child myself I always always felt I was different I used to tell my mom that something's wrong with me I don't know what's wrong with me but something feels funny and she says it your stomach is it this and as I got older I knew to say no it's my mind and I was told for 40 plus years that nothing's wrong with me Um, I'm not crazy. I'm not retarded. And I never felt those things. Um, But as I grew, I started therapy at 21 years old because I knew I needed answers to understand myself. And once again, when I was 21, uh, nobody really knew what borderline was. And it wasn't a name for it. And Mm -hmm. one therapist... uh, want to say it was probably in the late 2000 you know he told me he said you know what you have a personality and he named it a personality that you work well by yourself your your goals you set very high because you have like a genius like um iq and he said, but in your personal life, you're, you're just tearing every relationship up because mm-hmm. you're setting false expectations in people, the relationship, and yourself. And he basically said what I am now known. So at 53, when I started discovering, I said he hit the nail on the head. I don't like labels, but I needed to know what this is so I can find out how I can make myself better. And at 53, still in denial, I did take a test, and the text, the test I think is AXIS, and it's level one, two, three, and four, which will determine if you're bipolar, one or two, if you're schizophrenic, if you're paranoia, and one of the things that was on there, if you're borderline personality disorder. And, and I rated pretty moderate on there. Mm-hmm. All the other ones were absolutely not. But on that, it was the strongest mental disorder that, um, that stood out. But once again, in denial, because I had been a flight attendant, I was 
working to save other people's lives. How could I have a personality disorder? And then I went into real estate and became one of the top realtors, became, excuse me, the top realtor in the state of Texas. I won what you would compare to an Academy Award for Mm -hmm. real estate, made six figures every year. Uh, How could I have a mental disorder? But then uh, there was an incident that happened that I knew I needed to face my reality. And I said, for 40 years, I kept telling people, now for 20 years, I'm in denial, so let me go take care of me. But I would strongly suggest um, that everyone research it. It's not a medication that will cure it. It's, uh, there are triggers that can be treated, like GAD, that's general anxiety disorder, uh, depression, there are medications for that. And what else is wonderful, if there's anything wonderful about having a mental health you know, concern, is that borderline is one of the few uh, personality disorders that as you get older, you kind of grow out of the, the tantrums, the yells, the screams. Uh, and then most importantly, you... Uh, you begin not to have have that disorder in your life. And and really, I'm looking at decades. I'm looking at 20s. I mean, you were a child, unfortunately, seeing me with road rage and, you know, just... I, I was a person with a lot of rage. And I had begun to think it was because of my circle of people, my family... But I don't think it was. I, I think it seriously was the borderline now. Yeah, I think from my lens, um, you were always in conflict. Um, and I, because I want, I want to, I want to use the word that's in my mind. But I think I saw you lie a lot. And when I started reading up on it myself, it made more sense to me, like why. The things, because a lot of the things you were doing just weren't normal for a normal person just to always be in conflict. And now I think it makes more sense to me. So I can be more empathetic of it. But, um, yeah, it was for if I were to say what the experience was like growing up with it, it was challenging because as you mentioned earlier about the pleasing people um that kind of seemed like who you were your entire life at least my my entire life of experience with you and it was hard to tell if if you were a real person or not because you were always something different for whoever the audience member was at the time and that is one one thing that stands out with borderline personality but i'm i'm speaking to you specifically i'm not talking about the disorder no more at this point speaking on myself that's why i i know i excelled in anything that i did uh as a flight attendant i was a senior flight attendant within six months and i i know the reason was because i can read people and i can mimic what they looking for I, i remember and thought there is something wrong with me when one of the builders gave me a test 
and the guy bit pretty much told me he said I gotta look over the results but guess what you're hired I know you're gonna have a job but he called me back in and he said have you taken this test before have you administered this test before and I kept saying why 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 he said because we look for people if you line your hands up they want people where the fingers are almost in between each other mine's was almost aligned completely with the the, the hand of the task and they didn't want somebody like that and now I understand why because once again I read into it I knew exactly what they were looking for and I was able to to do it mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right Mike I never admitted to anyone I did admit it to myself when I was a teenager and a young adult that there's something wrong with me. I, I, I tell stories a lot. I lie. Mm -hmm. And I remember April 1st, 1984 was when I landed in Dallas, Texas to become a flight attendant. And I created a whole, I created a whole new me. Mm -hmm. I created a perfect family. I created a perfect me, and I never believed it, but everybody else did, including y'all. Because mm -hmm. you told me you looked at me as a, a superhero, mm -hmm. and I don't know if they're real. So that's so that, that was you in a nutshell. That was me in a nutshell, <laughs> and and I'll you know. I don't regret anything because I think everybody is exactly where they're supposed to be. But gosh, I, sh I definitely feel for you and Megan, and I can't leave out your dad. Mm -hmm. I, I feel for him as well. Um, because now that I'm writing things and, and being honest for the first time in my life <laughs> at 61 years old, it's really hard work. But this change has to happen. And it's, it's a cycle that has to be broken. How do you stay aware enough to, like, not, which, I mean, you know, it may come up where you may repeat some of those same patterns and habits, but how do you, like, find your awareness to recognize when you are doing that? Since since March, I can say I have been as honest with myself, with anyone and everyone that's more important to me since March of this year, March 23rd. Um, it was almost like I was resurrected. And, um, and I constantly remind myself how good I feel telling the truth, mm -hmm. even if the truth may or may not be what someone want to hear. Mm -hmm. My truth makes me feel empowered and that's so funny I can please everyone else prior to this but I never felt empowered I always felt ashamed because I always felt I didn't do enough mm -hmm. but by gosh living your true life is simply amazing it's amazing and I've never known me like this before so that's how I stay um, grounded and focused because I have 60 years of remembering who I was and not even a year yet of who I am now, but I, I really love the person who I'm getting to know in myself. That's good. 
Um, I'm thinking about when we were at Echo Park the other day, and I told you it's not many times that I've seen you really show emotion outside of anger. And um, I see that in a lot of black women, um, especially just from like, just from the South and where we from. But what advice would you give to younger women about expressing emotions and showing emotion? I would tell young women, first of all, we're not enemies with each other. And secondly, we need to embrace and empower each other, but we can only do that genuinely if we embrace ourselves just the way we are, just the way we are. And um, don't go on old traditions. Create a new tradition because when you think of traditions, they are good in some ways. Oh, we traditionally cook this for Thanksgiving. But traditions sometimes are habits Mm -hmm. and they may not be necessarily good habits. So write your own story create your own path and whoever you have in your life let them create their own path and Mm -hmm. we'll see more productive more loving more happy people and more peaceful people Mm -hmm. you know because if it was so perfect most of us wouldn't be in therapy so since it's not perfect make your life your perfect if Mm -hmm. that's a word you want to use but empower each other because and and be your true self because if you're your true self you're gonna attract people that you need to be around and it's gonna be the same vibes that that you have within yourself Mm -hmm. and if you were if you are fake the way I was fake, and I thought it was real because everybody else was like, gosh, she's amazing. She's this, she's that. And inside, I was dying mm-hmm. because I wasn't having my needs taken care of. But be who you are because you're going to attract what you want in this universe. So if you want something positive, if you want companionship, if you want to be a leader, whatever you want in life, you can get it. Just speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what you mentioned, but it was oh. So I wanted to ask about. I guess it would be called the matriarchy system because we talk about the patriarchy system a lot, but within families, there almost seems like a matriarchy system. Um, at least I can speak for my own family and both sides of the family, where like the eldest woman is like the leader of the pack and the younger women show resentment because they don't feel of equal value to the eldest women so now being an elder how how are you I don't want to say relinquishing power but how do you feel like and even if you aren't how do you feel like you can be better at providing a seat at the table for younger the younger women within our family and making them feel equal and empowering them, essentially, like you just said. 
I hope you remember this, but you've asked me that question before. Not on this podcast. Not on a podcast. But since you asked me that question a couple of years ago, I found myself being more mindful and more aware of when I'm around Megan. Um, letting her know you are. But, but not just her. Like, just oh, I'm just because well, I don't want to make it specifically about okay. her. Like, I, I think what we need to do as the matriarch in a family, we need to allow the younger women to do things their way because if we look at the success and the failures or the lessons of the ones before us either you repeat the same thing and where did that get you or you I think people should allow younger people to just express themselves kids know very early who they are what they want to be and all those other things and and we as women have to support our kids and the younger females do you feel like you have a supportive group of women like a like an actual like group of women that you can talk to about anything and like support each other and heal and grow do you have that in your life now that I'm loving myself more I think the women that's been in my life always been there but for me you know I I truly believe that different people are for different reasons and I have one person should I mention her name but com- community is important too well and was- like one like one friend one person is is nice to have but I'm just saying like do you have a community like a support group of people I have a community that one person I feel I can talk about anything and everything and then the other women in my life I can talk about certain things with them because they have those life experiences and so the women in my life I now look at them as supportive women you know I really do and Believe it or not, the, some of the women are not people I speak to daily. I mean, I feel your cousin Tori, her mom. Mm-hmm. Karen is somebody I simply absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. And I would trust her with anything. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Nana Ray. Uh, my sister's very important to me, but we have different kaleidoscopes, and that's fair. So there's certain things that I know is her trigger and so certain things are my fi- trigger. And, and I don't want to trigger people anymore. Same with, you know, the other women in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I I love to see my own daughter be who she is because she's not being who I was. She's being who she is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want young women to do. That's good. Um this battery is running a little low, so we might have to give them a part two um, on a later date. But I wanted to know what's next for you. Like, what's next for you after you leave this trip? What what does what does life look like after this? It seems really amazing for me because some of the things that I thought of doing, I don't I don't do a bucket list. I, I do a life list 
And some of the things that I've always had on my radar in my life, I'm pursuing them again. And what's so awesome, I have someone who's gonna pursue them with me, my hubby. And we're, we're a dynamic team. And no, that didn't happen overnight either, but it is now. And that's all you have to worry about. You know, I used to plan, plan, plan so much. And the plans came out perfect, but once again, that wasn't me. That was me making sure every, every, everybody's expectations were, you know, met, except my own. Mm-hmm. But now I, I think about planning in future, but I'm enjoying the gift, which is the presence. And I think I enjoy the present now because I, I love who I'm with, myself. I love mm-hmm. the people I'm around, my husband, your dad. And I love you and Megan's independence. <laughs> I, I, know, I now have realized that I don't have to um, worry about your every moment existence as I overly did when y'all were growing up because y'all are great. <laughs> y'all mm-hmm. are simply amazing. Y'all are fantastic and, and going to be that way. Uh, yesterday, your friends were mentioning you are a light and if you know, you know I call you my son, not only S-O-N, but S-U-N. And uh, it's, it's no doubt, that's what I feel. I appreciate that, thank you. You're welcome. All right, so my next segment is called Five Questions of Freedom, and you can answer these any way you would like. Um, the first question is Juvenile or Lil Wayne? gotta go with juvenile because i'm kind of raw okay um favorite new orleans dish a shrimp poor boy okay i think mine would probably be gumbo i knew you would say that um dead or alive who is one person you would like to have a conversation with maya angelo okay Okay. Just a wisdom woman. And uh, I follow a lot of her things. You know, just when I thought I was dying, the caterpillar, mm-hmm. it turned into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. And she went through so much, but came out on the other side so powerful mm-hmm. and so empowered. <laughs> I think I would probably want to talk to Mama. Um just because I would want to know if if she believed everything she believed and just what the other side looked like. <laughs> well, this is what the old folks used to say, that it can't be that bad because nobody came back and tell us. That's the truth. <laughs> um, was that one, two, three? Um, if you could be anything outside of yourself, what would you be right now? That's almost like asking, what would my superpower be? I, I would like to he- hear thoughts. And I think I would like to hear thoughts, because if somebody could have heard my thoughts, I wish they would have told me, you know what, Zenobia, what you're thinking is the right way of thinking. Stop trying to pretend to be something else and someone else for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I would like to have 
the the power to hear people's thoughts and I, I would I would enlighten that and tell them look when somebody has some doubt and they're thinking I know I can do this I'll I'll be there and I'll just go hey you know what you can do this and they'll be shocked as shit but I'll be happy mm-hmm. you know our self-doubt sometimes is the only sabotaging we need and my last one is what makes you feel free feel free when I, I feel at peace. I feel at peace when I can sit down and know that anything might happen, but I'm not going to be in my circumstances. I'm not going to let that control how I, I live. How I'm going to control it is is how I'm going to react to it. So that's that's where I feel free. I feel free that and most importantly, I feel free that I know I can tell people no now. Mm-hmm. I can say, and that is such a freedom, to say no and still be okay with it. You know, so just living my living my best life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, living my best life right now. Just being true to myself. Mm-hmm. And me being true to myself, it doesn't matter if you're true to anybody else. Because I don't think anybody else in a hundred years going to matter. And I think you got to be true to yourself because when you lie, you only really lie to yourself because don't nobody else know if you're telling the truth or not. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why it crushes you inside. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why it crushes you inside, even though other people may look at it differently. But I, I, I just love being who I am now. And some people might say, oh, wow, it took you 61 years. So what? <laughs> it took me the time I needed to take. I followed the path I needed, and I love where I am now. And I appreciate where you are today, too. Um, where can the people find you, if you would like for the people to find you? People can find me on zbrowndoc at Hotmail. <laughs> MKM Catering. Yes. But most importantly, you can find me on the art of letting go. Because mm-hmm. you know how we say we four degrees of separation? That's one degrees of separation. You contact Mike, you can get to me. Trust me. I appreciate that. Well, I'm going to say that I am very happy for you being on your journey and just putting in the work for yourself. Um, like I've always been inspired by you and just like when I was younger, the material things were inspiring because you were doing so many things and accomplishing so many goals. And I think that's what led me to my own journey of like seeing things as there, there's more than this. So I appreciate all the examples given positive and negative and um, I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm here for you on your journey as well. So thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for loving me so unconditionally. Always. And I love you back. Love you more. Thank y'all for listening. This is Mike Brown. And this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace. 
Thank y'all for tuning into this week's episode. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Also, let other people know what you think. I would love to hear from y'all and know what y'all think about the show. So you can hit me up on the email, on social media. We also got a phone line that I would love for people to call so I can share some of your messages on the show. That phone number is 213-394-2773. Also, if you'd like to support the show, Apple is going to be allowing people to subscribe to the podcast. Um, You can subscribe on Anchor, Patreon, website still coming, still working on it. Peace, y'all, and thank y'all. Love you.